remember the last time we did an album of the month club, or it might have been not the last time, but a previous time, and you brought Arouge Aftab's album to the table. How can I forget? I still love it. Such a good album. And I recently just had the pleasure of seeing her live. Oh, I know. How was that? At Big Ears Festival. It was amazing. Yeah. I and envy her you. her violinist <laughs> and her harpist were incredible musicians on top of her, just her voice and experiencing that live. But because we talked about that record, I felt like I had an even more... I don't know, intense experience with mm-hmm. it because I knew a lot of more uh, where she was coming from with that record. And it was, it definitely enhanced the experience. So I thank you for bringing that album to the table. I'm so glad we talked oh, about of it. Of course, of course. And I'm sure that was a, an amazing experience for people maybe hearing her for the first time too in the audience. Like when you sent me those photos, it, it even looked magical, like the way the set had been dressed and the lighting and everything. I'm sure it was great. I'd love to I'm see her. I'm getting chills just <laughs> thinking about it again. <laughs> and I'm sure you're I'm sure you're one of those people who like actually watch the show and, and engage with it and enjoy it. You're not like filming video the entire time. I definitely got a clip, but you have to almost archive it in some way before you leave so you can remember you know, oh, I saw this in person. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. But I'm not one. I'll usually get like a clip of for one posterity. And then I'm done. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like one and done. But that was one of my favorite shows of the entire weekend. That and Patty Smith were just. Oh wow! Yeah, I bet that was great. Crazy, crazy good. So yeah, I don't know. I, it's been a while since we've done an album. It's been a month since we've it's done album of the month, month club. <laughs> exactly. I, although to be fair, this past month has felt like an eon. (laughs) So I won't hold it against you. It feels like it's been a long time. Both an eon and a flash of light and all at the same time. Yeah. We're just being dragged through time by our toes, holding on for dear life. Yay. (laughs) Adulting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We should uh, do another album of the month discussion since it's time. Yeah. And uh, speaking of being dragged by our toes, I would love to talk about Joan Arbentrading's self-titled album from 1976. Rockin'. Awesome pick. I feel like she kind of drags you by the toes (laughs) with her... Intensely emotional lyrics. She is an amazing lyricist. Yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed, particularly with a few of the tracks on this album. But yeah. So which album have you decided on for this month? So my album for this month is called Rad by an artist named Rad Museum. That's set in the world. That's soft the world. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to get into these two albums and excited to see what kind of connections that we make this time. (laughs) This will be a tough one. Always. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I already have in mind something. I'll be very impressed if we find a connection between these two albums, but (laughs) hey, I believe in us. I do too. 
So a little bit about Joan Armitrading before we dive into this record. She's St. Kitts born, England, raised, three-time Grammy Award nominee, singer, songwriter, musician, badass. Um, she's been nominated twice for the Brit Awards as Best Female Artist. Yeah, so it's, she's just a really amazing person. And a little background before she made this particular record, she met this person, Pam Nestor, and was part of the traveling production of that hippie show, Hair. Uh huh. <laughs> she paired with Pam and they co wrote an album. And it seemed like maybe this Pam person wrote a bunch of the lyrics for most, the majority of the songs, but Cube Records said that Armatrading had more star potential. And I think there was some rift that happened there, and so they went their separate ways. Oh, wow. But I think after having some of these experiences, then Armatrading went on to make this record where she seemed maybe a lot more confident in her own abilities after maybe experiencing this partnership. So yeah, this album, it's self-titled Joan Armitrading from 1976. It features one of her most successful songs. That song is Love and Affection, which got to the top of the charts in the UK. And over time, she's released... Over 50 years, she's released 20 studio albums and a ton of live albums and compilations. So she's... Isn't that wild? Still putting out records. That's a even crap after, ton. Yeah. That's a crap ton. <laughs> 20 albums over five decades. It's wild. Yeah. And still at it. I think she's... Yeah. I think... She just, she just put out an... In 2021, she has a new album. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Well, I, th- I was going to say 2020, so I'm glad that you said 2021. But yeah, she's still putting out records, which is really cool. Um, she's still motivated to be writing songs after all these years. But the producer of this album is Glenn Johns. And he he's produced albums and engineered albums with The Who, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin, The Eagles, The Clash... Tons of just like these huge epic groups, bands, stars. And Glenn Johns later said that this record, this solo record, Joan Arbitrating, was the best album he'd ever been associated with. I believe it. That's like the <laughs> biggest compliment ever. Yeah. So cool. And he said, you know, she knew what she wanted. So he kind of had like a hands off approach, it seemed. So I've read. But she wrote every song, and it, it has a really nice blend of lots of different elements, folk, jazz, blues, rock. And as far as her lyricism is concerned, I felt like when I was listening to the songs, they had a lot of very confident feminist vibes. Mm-hmm. Like she was voicing the truths of women who maybe weren't voicing their truths at the time as much as, well, some women were because this is the 70s. So that's when a lot of uh, this uh, girl power movement was starting to really pop off. Yeah. But 
there was a magazine, a UK magazine called Spare Rib, and it was a platform for women in music. And it was kind of a way for female musicians to explore their experiences in this man's world of music and included interviews and um, reviews and albums and uh, of sorry shows and albums and singles and even explored the role of women's liberation movement in music but she had told them basically that she had said no to you know the men who suggested that she change her look she said no to the men who suggested that she um, change her sound or do this to her sound or do that to her sound she said no to her critics um, and just wondering a quote she says I think it's I think it's possible to be yourself and get on in pop music. I intend to go on trying. So she really wasn't listening to any of her critics or the men around her who were trying to boss her around and tell her what she should do, what she ought to do. Uh, And she still does that. And I think that's really, really awesome. Another thing I wanted to call out before we really dive into the songs is that one of her main influences is Van Morrison. And I feel Mm. like you can really hear that a lot. Mm, Yeah especially in the first, some of the first few songs at the beginning uh, of the record. Hey, everybody. Tara here. I just wanted to warn you that we had a little bit of an issue with audio on this one, so you may hear some decrease in audio quality from here on out. But hey, stick with us and tell us about your record store day haul in our Discord channel. Yeah, so I think this lady is super cool. She seems like like my people. She comes off really cool and personable and funny. Like all of her interviews are so witty. Um, but she's, she's very clearly like an introvert, you know, yeah. she seems like an Island with her creativity, you know? Um, yeah. and I think, you know, talking about this previous partnership falling apart, I kind of think that was for the best because she seems to really like plow forward and follow her own path. Just you know, unabashedly and boldly and confidently, like you said. So I found this quote from her. Also, you were talking about how she just was not going to change herself in any way, shape or form. Um, And it said, when she started out, the record company gave her some advice. They said, I need to change my name because nobody would remember arbitrating. You see, that's not going to happen. And they said, "Um, maybe you should try and dress in a slightly different way. Again, that's not going to happen. I'm very comfortable with how I dress and who I am. And she like has stuck to that again over five decades, which is incredible. And look at the kind of like impact that she's had musically. Um, I think the seventies were just this, like a sort of golden age for women singer songwriters, just being really vulnerable and raw and telling it like it is and sharing these experiences we could all relate to and giving words to these experiences that, you know, no one really had bothered to before, you know, so many musical Titans emerging alongside Joan arbitrating during that time, I think. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting, too, that you said uh, she's an island. She mentioned at one point that she was on her own a lot. Mm -hmm. She said, I had a weird childhood, and that's probably been the strongest influence on my character. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, I feel like that, you know, separating herself from the crowd and being a loner is not not necessarily a bad thing, but that she is able to, she knows herself, Mm -hmm. I guess is what I'm trying to say, because she is her own best friend, kind of. 
And then she's really observant of the human character, those around her and watching their experiences and voicing kind of what everyone else is going through. Because I've read that not her songs are n- never generally about her. It's more about what she's observing around herself. She said, My songs aren't about me at all. They're always about love, the pain, and anguish of it. But the way I've always written is from observation. They're about what I see other people going through. If the songs were about me, I'd be so embarrassed. I don't think I'd be able to walk out the front door. Hmm. And then she, she went on to say, the optimistic songs reveal a bit more of me because that's how I feel. I'm definitely a glass is half full kind of person. Hmm. I want to hang out with her. She seems really cool. <laughs> she does seem really cool. I want to go to her barn and record music with her. <laughs> right. I mean, I just, I relate to her, her perspective on creativity. And I don't know, maybe you can tell me what your perspective is, but like, I've been very much a loner as well, creatively. And I think in yesteryear, I used to carry around a lot of shame about that. You know, people made such a big stink about, no, you have to be, you know, collaboration, 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 and you got to do this. And I understand it. I think working with other people and having some, some input from different perspectives, that's, that's how you grow. That's how you evolve. Um, but I had to let go of the shame of that because, you know, your experience shapes you in a unique way and it helps make your voice and your brand of creativity, you know, unlike anyone else's. Right. So I also kind of treat my, my lonerness or whatever as a bit of a superpower now, because I do feel like I've had enough time to like really get comfortable and really get clear about who I am and how I want to express myself. So now when I pursue collaboration, it feels right. You know what I mean? I'm bringing, mm-hmm. I'm bringing something that I feel confident merging with another person's vibe to make something even cooler. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I can 100% relate. I have a hard time of releasing control of certain things, but I also have a hard time asking for help for certain things. Exactly. And so as someone who is still learning the ropes of music production, I would much rather Google it or YouTube it and try to figure it out on my own because it feels way more satisfying than someone well, and putting my own spin on whatever I've learned rather than asking someone who may say, oh, you're doing it wrong, but it may not be the wrong way. Maybe it's just not it's the your way, way. to do it. Right. Right, exactly. And there is almost a, it's like a, it's paralyzing, but freeing in the same way. If you're not doing it the exact way you should be doing, it's freeing. You're kind of free to do what you want, but in the way that it's paralyzing, it's, it's that you kind of don't know what you're doing. So you don't. So sometimes you're like blocked. I don't want to try because I just don't know what I'm doing yet. And I'm not ready. Yeah. Right. You know what you want, right? You know what you want. Yeah. And you don't want to have to like try and explain it or validate it to other people. You just want to get it done. And I, I, well, I I think at the the end of the day, it's like no, no one way is better than the other. Some people work better in collaborative, you know, teams and processes, and that's completely fine. Some people work better alone and that's also fine and valid. So yeah. This is funny because yeah, I also heard an interview with her, a more recent one, uh, after she did her 2020 record, um, she was just describing, you know, she set out to learn guitar, she got the basics down, and then she would ask 
certain people, oh, yeah, how are you doing that? What What is that? And they would say something like, oh, well, it's kind of complicated. I would have to show you this way or that way. And then they would never even get around to it. And so mm-hmm. she ended up doing kind of this thing on her own. And so I feel like that is relating to what we're talking about as well. Yeah, maybe we've found commonalities with Joan in our own in our own lives. Where there's the uh, will, there's the creativity. way. Creativity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Shall we dive into this record? My first and favorite song is not the hit. It's Down to Zero. Now you want what you pick up on the ground. Down to the ground, down to the ground. Down to the ground, down to the ground. And it's the first song right out of the gate. It's my favorite. Um, it's my standout track. It's It gets stuck into my head every time I listen to it easily. I mean, it's, if I listen to it one time, I'll be singing the song the rest of the day. Uh, the song features pedal steel guitar um, by BJ Cole and uh, Kenny Jones on drums from the band Faces which you may recognize the song Ooh La La from the Rushmore soundtrack. That's Faces. I wish that I knew what I know now when I was younger. Uh, I love that band, and it's super cool that they are on her song. But it's a really gut-riching song about finding out your lover has chosen someone over you. You start as number one, and then you drop down to zero just like the title says. But in my in my own mind, I think, man, down to zero has this whole other meaning. You know, if one is the loneliest number, zero is the absolute worst. So not only are you dropping from, like, being number one in this person's eye, you're dropping to zero. Right. You're also, now you may feel lonelier than lonely because you're not, you're not number one in that person's eye anymore. So you're feeling just extra low. And just empty, you know? Empty. Yeah, zero. Yeah. Empty. I love that song. Another one that I really love is Help Yourself. You would help me more. Help me more if you helped yourself. Help yourself. And this is kind of what I was talking about when I was saying it seems like she's voicing the truth of confident women. Like these are the lyrics. What you're doing is wasting my time. You would help me more if you helped yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Has this song been sampled? Because there's something about the beginning, like that first little key chain motif, like that first little key change motif that happens feels really nostalgic. I could not figure out where or if, you know, if that'd been sampled somewhere in another song. Yeah, I was, I was looking up, I was looking up samples of her music and it didn't come up anywhere, but I just can't let it go. So maybe I'm just, I have some kind of like association in my brain my wires are getting crossed but it sounds so familiar to me i mean it could be an interpolation yeah someone else is i'll have to continue my investigation on that another one of my favorites is obviously the hit love and affection uh this opening is pretty i think popular amongst the music reviews how she says i'm not in love i am not in love But I'm open to persuasion. But then I really like that she says, but I could be persuaded. <laughs> um, and then I think, again, she's saying, you know what? 
you're going to have to prove yourself a little bit more here. I need to see a little bit more dedication, is yeah. what she's saying in the lyrics, and I really love that. And plus, it's got a nice saxophone solo. <laughs> yeah, I really like this song, too. I remember hearing it when I was younger, although it's possible that I heard the cover with Sly Stone first. Oh. Martha Davis, yeah. Sly Stone, because I remember a man's voice very distinctly in my memory of the tune. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't heard the, the Sly version to check that. Yeah, out. that came out about exactly 10 years later. Oh, wow, 1986-ish. Yeah. Cool, I'll have to listen to that. And then, I don't know if this song is really about this, but this is my interpretation. The song, Join the Boys. She says, are you for or against us? It seems like she's saying, you know what, like, we don't have to be ladies anymore. We could do what the boys are doing. Why are we sitting back and letting them act like that when we could be doing this too? Because she says, are you in or are you out? Do you care to dance about and shout? Join Jack and the boys, be in a band, doing the one night stands. Kind of like saying, you know what? Like <laughs> we're free to be free to do what we want. It's like anything you can do, I can do better. Right. <laughs> Join the boys. Right. You know what? We can do this too. Be in a band. Women can be in bands too. We can also scream and shout and dance and do one night stands. Right on. Actually, someone else who had this same message, Betty Davis, she was saying that her record label was not putting her out and not marketing her enough and not distributing her records. Joan Armatrading was saying the same thing. It's like they don't know how to market these strong, Black women with strong messages. Yeah, I don't know if a ton has changed. Yeah, but um, that's true. Well, lucky, luckily, she came in um, pretty clear on what she wanted to achieve and, and how to get there. So, yeah, it was like full steam ahead. She's like, you guys can stay here and be confused if you want to. <laughs> I'm just going to go forward and keep kicking ass. Exactly. I mean, she still found success international success without a major marketing push on her records. So mm -hmm. that goes to show them. And we always say this, this thing, record labels don't know what they're talking about. And then the last song that I really, really, I mean, I love the entire record, obviously, but the last one that I really love is the song, Somebody Who Loves You. Someone loves you, somebody loves you. Beautiful. I love that. So beautiful. I don't know what it is. Maybe Elliot Smith was inspired by her or something, but there's something about this song that feels like an Elliot Smith, like he took from this song. Hmm. The tune, the way she sings it, something about it. But yeah, and the lyrics are so good. That it says, um, left with longing from misspent passion with one more human to despise. Like she's kind of just over these over these one night stands squeezes the heart like the way she words things it's not like she's being overly flowery flowery or poetic or anything she just manages to nail it you know? yeah straight straight shot like boom one and done one more human to, to despise help yourself <laughs> i love yeah. like the the unison lines that she sings in that hook they're just like so light and sweet and she has this really yeah 
really beautiful percussive quality to her voice where she kind of taps on top of the rhythm, you know, that yeah. I think makes her vocals unique. Yeah. And she, just in general, she, I know she touches on a lot of different musical elements in this album, the folk, the blues, the rock, the jazz, but in her career, she constantly is pushing herself to do something different and to do more. She does a whole pop album. She does, she dives into new wave. She dives into blues, which the blues album won a Grammy. So yeah, she's just constantly pushing herself and I really respect that. And I think that's awesome. But that's where I am drawing a line of similarities between these two records that Joan embraces all these different types of music in, in one record. And I feel like Rad Museum does a similar thing. He's not one note. He's described as R&B, but does so many more things. Mm. So that's my tie-in. Okay. I feel you. I think we can flesh that out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I read somewhere that Joan Armatrading was interested in making a heavy metal album. Oh, sick. That's, that's on her list of things to do. That <laughs> I am eager to hear. Me too. Yeah. And I love, I just got to say though, like you were naming all of the different genres she's, she's dabbled in and like her new wave yeah. album from 81, Walk Under Ladders. That's a really fun record. Like I give her props. Yeah. yeah. She's really awesome. Can I tell you <laughs> I my favorite? I how, how else to say it. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry. Okay. So my <laughs> favorite track on the album is Save Me. Throw me a lifeline, save me. Intimacy and affection frozen. It's, there's something about that refrain, the way she sings, throw me a lifeline, save me, just gets me every time. And it's like, it, it seems like the song is too short because I don't hear her sing that line nearly enough. In fact, it's like a normal three and a half minute long song, <laughs> but you just want it to keep going so I can keep hearing her sing that yeah. beautiful line. I was really hooked on those lyrics too. I mean, that first Right out of the gate, she says, sinking. She's caught in a whirling motion, strange sensation, currents of uncertain. Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, you could just print out her Powerful. lyrics and put them in a book, and I would. Really, I would truly. It. Yeah, they're beautiful. Another favorite of mine is People, which I feel like could be an introvert's anthem because <laughs> it starts out People to the left of me, People to the right, I want to be alone. <laughs> but it just gets worse all the time. I'm like, yes, preach, sister, preach. Oh my gosh. She wrote this uh, pre-pandemic. It's, <laughs> it's still relevant. so true. <laughs> I hear the story behind those, those lyrics actually was that she was composing the song, but there was so much noise happening around her. Like she had, I don't know, maybe oh. neighbors or maybe there was stuff going outside in the streets and or she kept getting a phone call and the calls were never for her and it kept interrupting her process. So I think that's where this tune came from. But also just musically, I love the solos in the middle of the song. Like they have this, this really mellow keys solo that comes in all chill and kind of funky. And then it like follows with this rip roaring guitar that comes in. Yeah. It's, it's really groovy. I do want to say one more thing about her. I've been reading yeah. a lot of her interviews and she's often called the first black British female singer songwriter to achieve international success. God, that's a mouthful. But I read a quote from her elsewhere where she says she wants to correct this. I'm actually the first woman, not just the first Black woman, she says. It's important because Black implies someone did it before me. 
Of course, there had been very successful female artists, but they didn't write their songs, which she had been right from like the age of 14. She says, there weren't any role models for me. People ask, weren't you influenced by Joni Mitchell? But when I started writing, there was no Joni Mitchell. That is, she hadn't started making records. So like to even like amplify and really clarify the impact of her, you know, contribution to music. Like I can't even imagine what it took for her to get where she is today. Yeah, especially in the UK. But I know that Betty Davis was also doing the same thing around the same time or trying to. Her first album came out in 1974. Then the next one, Betty Davis, self-titled, came out in 1973. And then the second one, 1974, They Say I'm Different, came out in 1974. And then Nasty Gal in 1975. Those latter two, totally produced by Betty Davis, everything, all Betty, the whole thing. And that's where I see similarities too, but Betty being in America, Joan on the UK, right. in the UK. There and and yeah, again what you're saying that Joni Mitchell wasn't making records yet. Betty was like in the process of doing this same time as Joan Armitrading. So she, I mean that point still stands. I guess I'm just saying, yeah, we had these women out here trying to get there and pushing and doing their own thing and it was just taking a while. Yeah, I think she she is speaking specifically to her British experience, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, maybe you can email her, tell her to check herself. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't, like, trying to prove her wrong or anything. I was just trying to like, oh. align their two stories. Yeah, yeah. Another thing I find interesting, too, about how these record labels behaved when they had a Black artist is, like, there, there was just, you were damned if, you're, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, they say that they don't know how to market you. And then you get this feedback and people are saying, well, you're too black or you're not black enough. Well, clearly you have some kind of concept of what would be acceptable. (laughs) You know what I mean? But you just make it absolutely impossible um, in any way, shape or form. It's just so asinine, I think, how they approached what was like an amazingly creative woman who just made great music. Just get her great music out to the people, (laughs) you know? Yeah, seriously. I mean, we've. We even ran into the same conversation where we're talking about Prince being on MTV, but not... Rick James. Yes, thank you. Why well, I was like trying to think his first name was James in my brain, and then I couldn't figure it out. Rick James, yeah. Mm-hmm. Same issue. It didn't make any sense. Ding dong record labels. Also, I have to shout out that, like, maybe it's the last track, Like Fire, where she has that killer opening guitar riff. that cool she always mentions how she loves playing like powerful clear sounding guitars because she likes to dig in and bash the strings as she would say on um i think ovation acoustic guitars were her her preferred brand of instrument yeah and i think that's what is actually on the cover of this album her playing an ovation yeah represent (laughs) do the kids still say that i don't think so (laughs) it doesn't matter (laughs) Oh man, props to you, Tara. That's a pretty kick-ass pick. Let's see how it let's see how it connects to the one I've chosen. You think okay. there's gonna be a bridge there? Yeah, I think it's pretty kick-ass too. 
when we were talking about Shuggy Otis, it was recommended to me, and I had heard of her before, and I listened to maybe a couple songs, but I hadn't really given an album a full listen. And so I'm really glad I did, and uh, I'm glad that we talked about it. But one thing, again, that I'm seeing similarities with, um, you know, Shuggy Otis, Steely Dan, Joan Armatrading, and Rad Museum is that overlap of different genres, how they're not one note. She's not just a folk singer. She's so much more. Shugiotis was the same way. He's not just a child prodigious guitar. Like he, he was playing jazzy things. He was playing rock things, folk things, psychedelic things. I mean, he was all over the board. And I really like that about these artists. It's really inspiring that they can put their mark on all of those different sounds and you can still tell it's them. Yeah, for sure. So should we talk about Rad? All right, yes. Yeah. So let's dive in. Let's let's see how we can uh, bring these two together. So my album of the month is called Rad by Rad Museum. out in 2022 little background on rad museum he's also known as used to be known as camper graphic um, he's on the korean indie label called you will know founded by dean another major korean r&b artist and producer uh, dean is dope we uh, maybe i'll pick one of his albums later down the road but he's got this uh, label now and these two have kind of been in each other's orbit for a while they were part of this musical collective called Club Eskimo since about like 2015, I think, when Rad Museum came on the scene. And then in 2016, he published his first track to SoundCloud called Island. 2017, he released an EP called Scene, which is also really good and highly recommended. And finally, now we get his first full-length album, Rad. So I kind of just stumbled onto this album. I don't even know how, but all I remember is that it must have been like the first official day of spring or something like that. And it was really sunny and kind of like drizzling outside. And this was the perfect soundtrack to that scene because this album, I think, just feels laid back and breezy like spring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like an alternative R&B hip hop kind of vibe, you know? And I think that's why you get a taste of so many different genres and styles in his music where it kind of pushes it into the, you know, quote unquote, alternative space. So this is like my, my spring pick for 2022. Yeah. Like I said, he, he's on his bio often called an R and B artist, but to me, it seems more like an indie alternative kind of thing because of the different, it's not just R and B. Yeah. In my mind. I mean, it's actually more alternative than R&B, I would say, because of the electronic elements that he brings in. I don't know. It just it has more of a, like indie vibe, at least this record. Yeah, I feel like it's like it's R&B, but Chibo Motto adjacent kind of like it has this yeah. experimental spirit to it, you know? It's funny that you say Chibo Mato because I was actually thinking, man, this reminds me so much of Cornelius. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Uh, but especially the song Wet Umbrella, mm. mm-hmm. which is a very spring song and subject matter. Wet Umbrella, Spring Rain. I feel Yeah, I think it's, I think the whole album, not just the songs individually, but the way they've organized them, it's got a really nice smooth flow. The songs sort of like melt into each other. It's just a cool experience. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the tracks. His, the first track is God's Work. Um, and this, it's got this like dreamy opening with some nice harmonization. And I think it sets the stage really well, but it really gets going about halfway through when it shifts and this like dope beat drops in good energy. Even the lyrics kind of conjure up images of spring. So I like that track a lot. The second track, Airdrop, very radio friendly single. This is the one you want to bump in your car driving around, right? Airdrop. Uh, the lyrics are a lot of fun. It is a funny song. The video is super cute, too. Did you watch the video by any chance? I haven't seen the video, but I also read that he was a graphic designer or something. Like oh, yeah. To visual design. So I bet it's really good. Yeah, he's a super talented guy. Um, but it's cute. The lyrics are kind of like using Wi-Fi and Bluetooth as a sort of analogy for like that telepathic connection we all have to those closest to us, like where you can lock eyes with someone and know what the other is thinking, you know? At least that's how I yeah. interpreted it. I'm sure there's probably some lost in translation because the lyrics aren't Korean. But um, I think that's kind of the gist. That's a really futuristic, well, it's not futuristic. I mean, it's our, where it's our current future, our current lives, our present day. Uh, yeah. But it's a really uh, relevant yeah. And and ve- but yet imaginative in some way to associate airdropping with that that connection that you have with it makes sense. Yeah, it's like it's it like does. the perfect imagery to conjure up for this generation, right? I was going to say how it that song starts out with the pianos. It almost had like a Frank Ocean vibe. You know the what? way that <laughs> Frank Ocean samples Elton John on uh, Super Rich Kids. I'm so glad you said Frank Ocean because his name is going to pop up a bit later. I'm glad oh, you picked up on that too. Yeah, but definitely I agree. It had with like you. a, yeah, but then it almost turned into like an electronic tinge sort of Bruno Mars vibe. Right. And how it had kind of like a swagger to it. Yeah, you can definitely hear some of his influences in there that are pretty, pretty obvious. Yeah. That's a really fun track. Um, he's got the next track, maybe, I think it's called You. This one has a really pretty melody and Rad really shows off his vocal range here. Like he's, he's a great, he's a good musician. Like he's got good range. He's got a nice voice. Yeah. It's almost, it's like a ballad, you know, and it's got this really beautiful crescendo in the middle and um, his voice (laughs) and his harmonies carry it. It's totally a slow jam. Absolutely. Yeah. Next, he has a track called Offline featuring two major Korean artists, Dean and Ihai. Get 
this video is also a lot of fun and quirky. Um, Ihai, I, I gotta say her voice is just, just spectacular on this album. Exit is another standout radio-friendly track, super groovy and danceable. And it's really refreshing how they've placed it after a few of the more experimental tracks that come before it. He, it's clear he likes to play around with arrangements. You know, he throws a lot of like accidentals and unexpected melodic lines at you, which is really cool. It kind of helps keep it engaging without going too overboard and becoming yeah. distracting or feeling lost, you know? Yeah. I definitely picked up on this arrangement skill he has, mm -hmm. especially with Wet Umbrella and then a later track that I'll save. Okay. <laughs> so then he has a song called, I think I may have jumped over a few of them. Tell me about Wet Umbrella. That one really spoke to you? Either that one or the last track are my, one of those oh, two yeah. Forever. my favorite. Uh, Wet Umbrella or Forever. But like I said, the Wet Umbrella song really reminded me so much of Cornelius. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, another kind of ballad y song. So I think I like most, I like his slow jams ballad songs the most mm -hmm. on this record. Mm -hmm. He's got a track called Two Bourbon Rock. This one's cool. It's kind of like a typical trap style song. It's not really doing anything that innovative, but I have to shout out the feature on this track, uh, a singer named Moon Sujin. Her voice works so well here. And I think it's like easily the highlight of the song. And as a matter of fact, all the women features on this album are super duper rad. I don't know what it is. All the features are great, including Dean, but there's something about the selections they made um, with these, the female voices and where they've put them in mm. the songs. It was just perfection. Chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. We have 4D. This is a chill kind of throwback dance track. This one reminds me of that 80s hit, I Can't Wait by New Shoes. Do you know what New I'm talking shoes. about? Yes. I can't wait. Doesn't it kind of feel like that? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, truth be told, now I'm not remembering that, but I listened to the album. I don't know what it is. Now I want to go back and listen to it again. I think, I think it's that bass line that's kind of similar, and it made me it made me think of that new shoe song. So I immediately had to look that up and listen to it again. Yeah. And then lastly, Forever, which is like one of these epic... Seven, eight minute long album closers that like shift dramatically in the middle, you know, and it just kind of ends with him singing softly over guitar with some airy ooze, like a, like a little lullaby. Perfect. This is the other one that really drew me in with the arrangement. Perfect for a springtime afternoon nap, don't you think? Or kind of drift off at the end. Like a daydream kind of moment. It had a, do you know Gus Dapperton? I do. It kind of reminded me of him yeah. a little bit. Not that anyone would ever want to be reminded of anyone like, this is my own sound, but like <laughs> in my mind, that's what popped into my head. Oh, this For reminds sure. me of Gus Dapperton. It is very like indie pop, shimmery, 
shimmery. That's a good like, word. Kind of like a ballad. Yeah. Starts shimmery, a little loud, then trickles down to that more minimalistic guitar only with just his vocals. Yeah. Uh, but even then it was kind of had a, f- a light like something about it was kind of um, cloudy still. Yeah. It wasn't as, his voice wasn't very clear. It was something like they maybe kind of made it sound vintage in a way. Yeah. I think that's the perfect word for that something about this entire album. It's shimmery. Something's always shimmering in the background, yeah. you know? And then sometimes yeah. he anchors it down with like a, a really strong hip hop kind of beat. Sometimes he just lets it float away with a lot of strings and vocals. Just, yeah. He does a lot with it. Yeah, I really like that last song a lot. Wet Umbrella and Forever, two of my top tracks. Awesome. I got to say one kind of annoying thing, and this is like Spotify specific. <laughs> but if you look at the fans also like section on Rad's Spotify page, you only get other Korean artists, which on the one hand oh. is great because then you can like explore that scene more if you're interested. But if you aren't already familiar with Korean artists like I am, how would you ever discover something like Rad Museum? Like, I wish these algorithms were sophisticated enough to connect the American or international artists you're into that have a similar vibe so you can find these gems more organically. And I was going to say, I think if you're into Frank Ocean or like a Mac Miller, there's some, there's some overlap there and you might hear something you like in Rad's music. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that's so true. Yeah. And now I'm going to check Tidal to see if they're any better at it. And it doesn't appear that they are. It looks like it's all Korean again. And yeah, that's, I feel that's a like, missed opportunity. Yeah, I feel like Western perceptions of Korean music, it's so just dominated by K-pop. <laughs> and K-pop is like a completely separate beast unto itself and meanwhile you have these really cool indie r&b indie hip-hop artists um, emerging in korea and other other countries that i think people should have should be exposed to more easily i wish there were a way yeah i i don't know much about it at all and so if it were you know if if i was listening to cornelius and i was looking for something similar I feel like it should be there, even though Cornelius is not Korean. I think Cornelius is Japanese. It doesn't have to be in the, from the same country. It, it could be something different. So I am totally with you that there. That's a missed opportunity. And all of the indie alternative stuff like Gus Dapperton or, um, you know, or yeah, they would all go. They would all be in that recommendation, I, I feel like. Yeah, Japan is even harder, I think, in a lot of ways, because so much of the content is blocked coming out of Japan. Like, you can't see the videos on YouTube, so it's a lot harder. Oh, really? But there's something in the copyright law that makes, that kind of restricts how many Japanese music videos are available on our YouTube. Oh. Yeah, so all in all, I think there's a lot of shimmery wonder in this album, right? Musically... And lyrically, like there are just really clear moments where you can hear his, his curiosity and his fascination with the human experience. And I think that makes the album even more lovable. Curiosity with the human experience, just mm. like Joan Armitrading. Oh, Tara, we've done it again. <laughs> Damn it, we're geniuses. We are. I don't know how we do it every time. I don't know. 
Who knew? Maybe we'll get a Joan Armitrading and Rad Museum collaboration. Oh. What would that I look mean, like? I mean, I feel like she, well, I don't know. She's a loner. She didn't mean, she may not want to collab. She did do a song with Queen. Yeah, I think she'd be into it. She collabs. As long as she can have say, I bet. <laughs> right. <laughs> as long as she's in the driver's seat. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he would let her take the lead. As long as she's the one sitting tall in the saddle. Who wouldn't let her take the lead? Right. I would trust her with my life. <laughs> right. I'm impressed with us. Well, wow. Me, yeah. You got to keep this too. ball going, man. No pressure. I did it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick something so left field for next time. I know. It's going to be impossible. <laughs> and then we'll find out like their neighbors or some other insane connection. Oh my gosh. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is great getting to know both of these artists a little bit more in depth and hearing these albums all the way through. I can't wait to see what the next album of the month is. Yeah. If there's anyone in the store who listens to both of these records all the way through, tell us what you think in our Discord channel or on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else, Twitter even. Tell us what you think. Uh, our link for the Discord is in our Instagram at Record Store Society. And also, I'd be interested to know if you have any international artists who may be off the radar over in the West. Like, turn us on to something new in another country. I'm always up for that. Good call. On that note, maybe it's time for us to close the store. I'm going to go home and put on Joan Armitrading again. I think I will too. I think I'm going to listen to some of her 80s records now that I'm like so in love with Walk Under Ladders. I got to hear all 20 now. I better get started. I might even throw on Cornelius after that. Thanks to (laughs) Rad Museum for the inspiration. All right, everyone. Thanks for shopping. Thanks for hanging. And we will see you all next time. See you all soon. Bye. Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.